As many of you already know, when Aaron and I were first married, we lived in Central Europe for several years. And because we were living there and because we had the opportunity, uh, we traveled quite a bit. We saw a lot of the world uh, while we were living there. And one of the places, one of the places that we most enjoyed was our time in Paris. Uh, for us, for us, Paris was a place of extravagance. Now, I, I feel like I should explain a little bit. It, it wasn't extravagant because we were staying in like a swanky, bougie hotel. That, that's not the case. In fact, we, we were staying in a hostel in the red light district just down the street from the Moulin Rouge, but, but under the cover of the Sacred Heart Cathedral, right? It, it wasn't about that, but, but truthfully for us, Paris, the extravagance of Paris was really about the experiences that we were having while in Paris. Uh, it was fresh baguettes in the morning. It was real espresso in the tiny little cups. Like that, that was a part of what it meant to be in Paris for us. It was the, it was the walking along the Seine River and watching uh, and just sort of admiring the urban landscape that over a millennia had been built on the banks of that particular river. And, and quite honestly, no matter where we went, all the places that we visited while we were in Paris were all doing the same thing. They were all trying to give us an experience, and an experience of extravagance. Uh, so, so whether that was the Louvre or the Musée d'Orsay, uh, whether that was Saint-Chapelle or I mean, the Cathedral Notre-Dame de Paris, right? Whether it was us trying to speak French, like all of that, all of that, all of those places were designed to give us an experience. They, they invited us into something more. When you are standing in the, the tiny little chapel called Saint-Chapelle, which is only walls of stained glass, it invites you to bathe in the light of a color bath. Or, or when you walk up to the Louvre and you see this huge pyramid out in the courtyard of the Louvre, it invites you, because it is see-through, it invites you into an experience that is happening underneath the surface. And so, so whether it was baguettes, or whether it was espresso, whether it was the Louvre, whether it was Saint-Chapelle, it didn't matter. All of those things, by design, was inviting Aaron and I into an experience. And for us, for us it was an experience of extravagance. Now, what's happening in the Gospel of John, there is something quite similar happening here in the images of John's Gospel. You see, unlike the other three Gospels where parables rule the day, uh, John records these kind of experience-rich I am statements. So in the Gospel of John, for example, Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life. Now, Jesus is doing more than just trying to give us a knowledge of bread. He's actually inviting us into an experience that we have with bread. Now, all of you know what I mean, because when you walk by Cinnabon, 
You know what happens to your body when you smell the cinnamon rolls wafting down the hallway, right? That, that experience of the smells of cinnamon, they invite you in. Or an Auntie Anne's. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. All good. But Jesus is saying the same thing. I am the bread of life. He's actually inviting us into an experience of bread. Not just a knowledge, but an experience of bread as well. And so when we get to the image or to the statement of Jesus today, when he proclaims himself the good shepherd, it's meant to be more than just a knowledge of the Father's shepherding, but rather it is a sort of a, an extravagant invitation to live within his goodness, to live within his care and his protection and his provision. So as we, as we come to a close of our extravagant giving series, it is, it is worth backing up just briefly for a quick recap, right? In week one, we rooted ourselves in the truth that God is a lavish giver. And lavish, of course, means uh, more than necessary or required, more than necessary or reasonable. And it's been this way. God has been a lavish giver since the beginning, right? since the Garden of Eden. And his lavish giving culminates in his son. Uh, John, the writer of this gospel, he says in chapter 3, God so loves the world that he what? He gave his one and only son. Well, in week two, Pastor Adam, via Jesus, reminded us to count the cost, the true cost of our giving. Knowing that the widow spent more than just two copper coins, that when she placed those copper coins in a coffer, it also cost her security, influence. It cost her everything. We were also reminded last week that sometimes, sometimes when we, when we count the cost, we recognize that it hurts. And when it does, we, we should reflect on what that pain is pointing out to us. And at the same time, if it never hurts, we should ask the question, why that's true. Well, this week, Jesus invites us into his extravagant living so that you and I, so that our lives right, might be extravagant lives. And so let's get to the text this morning, grab a Bible, digital paper, and let's get there to John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. John 10, verse 1. Now, as is always the case, we want to take some care and ask what comes right before John chapter 10? Like, what's the context of the text in which we're about to engage? Well, chapter 9 is basically one long story of Jesus healing a blind man. And it's a great story. It's a story you should read, and I'd love to spend more time there. But all of it, all of it pushes really to the very end. When Jesus tells the now-seeing man, he says, you have seen the Son of Man. Now, the phrase Son of Man is a reference to something out of the book of Daniel. 
the prophecies about one who was going to come with power and authority to rescue Israel. The Son of Man would come with power and authority to, to heal and to bring healing to all brokenness and sin and darkness. The Son of Man would, would restore humanity into its fullness. And Jesus is saying to this now seeing blind man, you have seen the Son of Man. Now the man's response to that is simply to worship. It's to fall down at the feet of Jesus and to bring him praise. And Jesus rounds out that conversation with a bit of a flourish. He says it this way. He says, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Now the Pharisees, leaders of the church, they're standing around. They overhear this conversation between Jesus and this now seeing blind man and they respond quite quickly like, what? Oh, what? Are, are we blind too? And Jesus' response to that question, are we blind too? Jesus' response is pointed. He basically says this. He says, you claim to see, and that's the problem. You claim to see, and that's the problem. And now Jesus shifts here in chapter 10 and he opens up kind of spiritual imagination as he ushers us into the fields of sheep. And he introduces us to two people. On the one hand, we have the person who enters the sheep pen by the gate. They go in and out of the gate. On the other hand, the other person is one who sneaks in. And when we compare these two people, Jesus, when he puts them together, exposes that these two people have very different purposes. So if we take, if we take the one who sneaks in, Jesus says, this person has only one purpose. It is to steal and to rob and to take for their own good. Another way to say it is that the sheep's, the sheep's well-being does not matter to the thief and the robber. The thief is coming to the sheep only because it betters their own purposes. The robber is coming not to give life, but to take it. The robber or the thief is not coming to, to give a lavish life, to give more than is reasonable or necessary. He's coming to steal and to take and to take the fullness of what can be. The robber has not come to bring life. Jesus would say later, he's come to destroy it. On the other hand, Jesus says, the shepherd comes in through the gate. And the shepherd calls each sheep by name. And he leads them. He leads them out into the pasture where they are free to graze and to enjoy the bounty of the shepherd's supply, where they're able to rest in the comfort of the shepherd's protection. Jesus is just putting in front of us two people in the field of sheep. 
Now, I know I've said this before, but every time I say it, I feel like I have to confess it to the church. But friends, honestly, I used to loathe Psalm 23. Like, I like, honestly couldn't stand it. Every time I heard Psalm 23, all I could think was funeral, right? And bagpipes. Like, that, that doesn't work for me. So, but, but God has done a number on my own heart to really begin to appreciate what it is King David, who, as a shepherd, penned this particular psalm, God has done a number on my heart to appreciate not just the knowledge that the psalm provides, but the experience that the psalm invites us into. If we were to go to Psalm 23, David, again, awakens spiritual imagination as a sheep there kind of in the sheep pen sort of wanders over to another pen with sheep under a different shepherd. And the sheep, right, of King David, King David's sheep, who's kind of wandering over to this other sheep, is like, hey, hey, come over here. Like, sheep, like, come on over here. I want to tell you something. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't be in want. See, the invitation, interestingly, the invitation of one sheep to another is that the shepherd, the shepherd has led this sheep into a pasture where all of its needs are met, where every bit of provision is there in the shepherd's hands. There, there in that place, every need met in the shepherd's life. That sheep can say to the other sheep of the other pasture, I have not a want. In fact, the shepherd me, he comforts me with his presence. And so he makes me lie down in these beautiful pastures and he leads me beside these quiet waters where I can look into those waters and see the reflection of my shepherd who is always with me. That's my shepherd. So I think Jesus in John chapter 10 is making quite clear that the shepherd, like the shepherd in Psalm 23, that the shepherd here in John 10 has the well-being of the sheep in mind. That the shepherd has come to bring the sheep an extravagant life. And that extravagant living, friends, that extravagant living can only happen within the care of the good shepherd. That extravagant living can only, can only happen within the care of the good shepherd. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Lots of us know uh, that God is a shepherd who provides for you and me and that all of our needs are met in him. We, we, We can give some mental assent to that truth. But in my experience... And in my conversations with people, it seems that lots of us are not living in the abundance of his life, but rather we are living in the scarcity that the world provides. We seek out tools that try to move us toward abundant life. But it seems that those tools, particularly the tools of the world, lead us not to abundance, but to scarcity. 
Uh, my, my great aunt Donna, who I affectionately called Uwa, uh, because, you know, she was from Wahoo, and apparently at one time I couldn't put the right syllable in the right place, like syllables didn't make sense to me, and so it was Uwa instead of Wahoo. But anyway, Uwa, right, she could gamble like nobody's business. She loved going to the casinos. She was the epitome of blue hairs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Super white, but under the lights of the casino, it turns blue. Like, that was her. Now, she was not a big spender. She loved to play the slots. Specifically, the nickel slots. And when I turned 21, Uwa was like, hey, do you want to go to the casino? I'm thinking, yeah. Why would I not want to go to the casino? Because I know that if I go there long enough, what will I get? Lots of the money, right? So I load up right next to Uwat on the, you know, the nickel slots, and we just start playing. Now, here's the deal. I'm sure you know this, uh, but, but you can put nickels in for a really long time, and it never gives anything back to you. And interestingly, nickels over a really long time turn into dollars. And none of those dollars came back to me. It's interesting that my aunt, my great aunt Donna, she was using the casino, not just because she enjoyed it, but she was using a tool to try to bring her life into abundance. But at the end of the day, she was actually living with less. Uh, since that time, I really haven't gambled a lot. I like money too much, apparently. Like, giving it to other people for free is not my idea, right? So, so I'm not doing that anymore. But there are other tools that I think we use to gain some sense of abundance but only find scarcity. Like, I, I wondered, quite honestly, about teenagers in particular, though I probably should worry about adults, who always have this thing in their hand and who are working really hard to be social on here. And in an attempt, interestingly, in an attempt, in a tool to connect me to the rest of the world, I find that I'm more and more isolated. In, in an attempt to, to somehow find a life of abundance, I'm in a life of scarcity. I wonder for how many of us, we wonder about our finances or think about our finances in the same way, that if we just get, then we'll, if I can just amass enough, then I can. We tend to think of our finances, like if I, if I just have it, then we'll have a life of abundance. And yet it seems that no matter how much we possess, we always need more, as if we're living in a life of scarcity. Extravagant living can only happen within the care of the Good Shepherd. It's fascinating. The Pharisees, the Pharisees are confused by what Jesus is presenting. 
This is verse six. Jesus used this figure of speech, this beautiful image that draws us in of two people. But the Pharisees, John says, did not understand what he was telling them. And so Jesus gets more pointed and he says, verse seven, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. See, extravagant living, extravagant living is rooted exclusively in Jesus, in the one who is the gate, the one through whom we walk in and out of pasture, the one who does lead us by his voice. Jesus says, they know my voice. But I wonder, how well do we know the shepherd's voice? How well are you listening to his voice? It seems to me that lots of us find other avenues towards abundance because the voices of the world continue to talk. And interestingly, Jesus would say that the evil one is like a wolf in what? Sheep's clothing. Super deceptive. How well do you know the shepherd's voice? Jesus says, they'll know my voice and they will follow me because I am the gate. Extravagant living is rooted exclusively in Christ Jesus. There is no other way to live extravagantly outside of the one who claims he is the gate. It is interesting, there is no other way into the abundance of the kingdom, no other way into the extravagance of his grace. There is, there's no other way into the lavish life unless it's through Jesus. You know, when I think of a gate, I, I tend to think of like, you know, a, like a metal gate that's on a hinge, right, that opens and closes, or, or a wood gate that's on a hinge. It opens and it closes. And while those kinds of gates existed at the time of Jesus, it was almost exclusively kind of in the winter pastures or the summer pastures. But shepherds would have to drive their sheep from a winter pasture to a summer pasture. This is, by the way, what Psalm 23 is about, moving sheep from one pasture to another pasture. And as they move those sheep from pasture to pasture, they pass through valleys of the shadow of death, but God is with them. It's in the driving from the winter pasture to the summer pasture that shepherds use kind of makeshift sheep pens, rock fences typically, but those rock fences don't have metal gates or wood gates. And so when a shepherd is driving sheep from the winter to the summer pasture, they become the gate. Uh, similar perhaps to the space that's here, a rock wall, and a shepherd, when it came tonight, would simply lie down between the 
ends of the fence. He would lay down his life to make sure that the enemy didn't get to the sheep and that the sheep didn't escape. It shouldn't shock us then when Jesus, in the sentences that follow, says, I am the good shepherd. And a good shepherd what? Lays down his life for his sheep. Extravagant living, extravagant living is found exclusively in Jesus and seen most profoundly in the cross. Where a shepherd who believes in the well-being and the flourishing of a sheep is willing to lay his life on the line. Extravagant living is seen most profoundly in the cross of Calvary as Jesus struggles for breath and bleeds out life so that you and I can have it. Seen most profoundly in that cross as he lays himself down to keep the enemy out and to keep us in. See, these images of Jesus in John's gospel, they are by design to be more than just knowledge. They are by design to be an invitation into an experience. Jesus is inviting us into his extravagant life, found solely and exclusively in him, so that we, like the sheep of Psalm 23, can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want. He protects me so much that I can just lie down peacefully in his pastures. He's not going to lead us beside still waters, but we will see his reflection in the bread and the wine of the table. Jesus is inviting us in to this extravagant life so that as we step out into the world, we can live extravagantly, taking the model of Jesus himself to put our lives on the line for him and for our neighbor. So, friends, as we wrap up a series on extravagant giving, as we bring to a close this series on what it means to steward well, I pray that you hear the invitation of your Savior into the experience of His lavish life so that by the power of His Holy Spirit, you and I, we can walk forward today living extravagantly in His grace. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. And so may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guard and keep our hearts in Christ today and every day. Amen.